You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. How are you? I got to take an escalator to church today. That was a first for me. That was amazing. It's like, yeah, stairway to heaven right now. Man, how many are thankful for the Lord? Um, I have a funny story. We're from Upper Room, Ohio, and um, once uh, a good good friend, spiritual father of mine, Leif Hetland, couldn't make a trip to Norway, so he recommended um, I speak there, and they, they reached out to me for this conference, and I see on the itinerary, I get there, and it's like a breakout session. I had a main session and a breakout on prayer and worship, and uh, I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. Is this like a prayer and worship like set? We're just going to like soak and pray? They're like, no, we, we follow you on YouTube, and, and you're going to speak on prayer and worship. I was like, whoa, 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 I'm not Upper Room Dallas. And they're like, you're not? <laughs> like, no, we're not Upper Room Dallas. We're Upper Room Ohio. And uh, so it became this funny thing. I did it anyway, and it was amazing because our hearts worship too. But I was like, I'm sorry to let you down, but we were the original Upper, well, not the original Upper Room, um, but we're, we're older than Upper Room Dallas, so... Um, anyway, it, it was a funny thing. It ended up being great. But it's an honor to be here, and uh, I'm so bummed Chris isn't here, but man, good to, good to be here. Thank you for having me in your house, Chris and Terry, and uh, man, we love you guys. And I got to get real intimate with Chris and Cody and Scott. Uh, on, that, on that pronghorn trip, we stayed in a little camper for about three or four days, and uh, it was cold outside. And um, let's just say, when you stay in a camper with three dudes, in Wyoming, in the middle of a national park, you get pretty close. You get to know each other really well. So you may have known Chris longer than me, but I might know him better than you. <laughs> and let's just say Chris knows me better than anybody because I sat on a cactus and he had to help me out a little bit. So we're just going to leave it at that, all right? I'm sorry, brother. I had, to, I had to sell you out. He thinks I'm a good friend to help come build. He's a good friend. Let's just say that. He's a really close friend. Um, <laughs> There are pictures that we are not going to show today, all right? That would be really inappropriate. Um, So I am a girl dad. I I have a picture if the team has it. This is my family, uh, my wife and beautiful girls. Um, We bought a little mini farm, so that's on our property. And, uh, man, I am missing them. I I told uh, Faith and Scott coming in, I was was hitting the escalator up and then had to use the restroom. And my wife texted me. She said, our youngest decided to get baptized. And uh, so she attended the baptism class this morning, and I'll get to baptize her next week. So immediately I had a permanent smile fixed on my face, and I texted Nicole, I'm smiling. And then I was like, now I'm crying a little bit. And I teared up, and I'm just so excited for Hadassah uh, to, to get baptized next week. Um, but I'm a girl dad. I went to open my suitcase. I had my tool belt in there and some other stuff that I packed, and all this sawdust comes out. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's unfortunate. I'm shaking my clothes. There's all this sawdust. Then all of a sudden, all this glitter comes off. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know you're a girl dad when just in your suitcases there is glitter everywhere. So, so anyway, that was fun. So if I have a little uh, sawdust or glitter on me, it's, it's just fun. Uh, but one of our life's messages is um, legacy. And uh, I just want to bring uh, some encouragement to you guys today. And uh, legacy to me is, is what mark are we leaving on this world? And um, so we've, we've, the last few years, we have a, a, a personal ministry called Family Legacy Ministries, and we try our best to actually minister as a family. And when we travel, we try to travel with our kids and include them in the process because they are very much part of our ministry. And uh, without their sacrifice, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And uh, so part of our thing is legacy. And 
I love starting fires in the, in the kingdom, but I also love, still as a fire lieutenant, putting out fires. And uh, my legacy doesn't stop just in the walls of the church or, or in the, necessarily in, inside a building. It's our legacy is the impact we're going to leave on the world when we're gone. It's the impact we're going to leave on generations. And uh, for me, we may not have a huge inheritance to leave our kids as a public servant and a pastor, but uh, we want to leave them the legacy of Jesus. And, and man, I've just been drawn to the simplicity of the gospel lately. You know, have you just thought, like, there is going to be a day where we're going to see Jesus face to face. Where his blood was enough for everything going on in this world right now. That we take on a new name with Jesus when we enter into his, his, his relationship and, enter, and he enters in our heart. You know, just the thought of that is just incredible to me. And the cross, the power of the cross. And what that changed in history and what that changed in my life. And uh, I want to get into this, but, but I was an atheist 15 years ago. I was a cheater and an adulterer and uh, had been arrested several times as a youth and um, had tried to take my life a couple times. And, and to know that 15 years ago that the king of kings, who's not up for re-election, <laughs> made himself real to me and loved me and captured me and rescued me and redeemed me and and revived me. Think of that in your life right now. I don't know if you're a, a, an early Christian. Maybe you've, you've been a Christian for decades. Or, or maybe you're not yet one and you just came into this place and rode that same escalator I rode up today. Your life's about to change. And man, what, what I want to do with this, and I had this dream. Let me just start here. I had this dream when I first got saved. And it was this dream that was so surreal and so powerful, and it changed my life. Before uh, that dream, I was just kind of serving and just, all right, if we need a youth group, let's start a youth group. If we need small groups, let's start small groups. My dad was uh, our founding pastor and planted our church. And uh, so when I got radically saved, I'm talking radically saved, from atheist to revivalist in one encounter with Jesus, I hadn't cried in four or five years, and all of a sudden, I'm weeping and speaking in tongues and being baptized in the Holy Spirit and rewired my theology, my personality, and everything changed. And I had this dream just a, a couple months later, and after, maybe a few months, and it was this dream where the Lord had, was, had returned, and, and we were all ascending. Many of us were ascending to heaven, and I just remember trying to grab onto family members and friends and people. And they were just slipping through my hands. And that was really, in essence, the dream. There were some more details. But I just remember from that moment for us that I'm going to do everything I can to bring as many people to heaven with me as I can. That's my life. So whether I'm in the fire department, whether I'm at home being a dad, that's my first ministry is unto the Lord. My second ministry is my family. And everything else from that is overflow. But my, my legacy is that I want to bring as many people from, to heaven as I can and bring it to heaven to as many people as I can. And that's, that's our legacy on earth. That's what I want to get on today. And I believe each one of you have a story for his glory. And uh, some of us church people call that a testimony. But the non-fancy church word is story. All right? We have a story uh, of this dash. I used to sell tombstones and uh, had a headstone company. And uh, I, I have had a few companies, yeah. So you're learning something about me. <laughs> Do I even know you? So... So anyway, there's this dash between our birth date and the date we die. There's this dash. And I wrote this poem once called The Dash. What's our dash? You know, I want my dash to count. I want to make a mark on this world. I want to make a mark in the kingdom. I want to make a mark on that Lamb's book of life. Amen? 
So, so today I want to speak on the target and the arrow and, and just kind of blend some things together here. Um, I believe we've all been in a weird, difficult season. They were talking about their season of transition. I believe America, the world has been in this season of transition. And, and I just want to tell you, somewhere between uh, brokenness and breakthrough, there's this transition, there's this story, there's this season of maybe even hardship, there's this testimony, right? So at the moment where you think you're going to give up and at that moment you think you're just about done, all of a sudden God does something and now there's something different and there's a new season and it's the breakthrough. And that's really what I want to lean into today. And Isaiah 49.2 says this, he made my mouth like a sharp sword and the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow and in the quiver, he hid me away. I believe we've been in this season and, and maybe I'm just speaking for me or maybe just our church, but I believe the kingdom and maybe some folks in here, maybe even uh, our culture right now, we've been in this season of, of almost like being held in a quiver, ready for battle, but being polished, being refined, being positioned to be launched, right? And, and that's a hard season. And all of a sudden, you know, we're in that season and it's hard. We, we think David went from, you know, little shepherd boy to king, but that isn't how he got to be king. There was all of these different cities he went to and, 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 and Bethlehem and, and all of these cities in Hebron and all these things. And his journey was more like, like the loop-de-loos in the roller coaster, right? It wasn't just from one point to the other. I, I, anybody like roller coasters in here? God bless you guys. I actually hate them. It's that part, the click, 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 click that goes up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden you go down, Right? And that's, that's me. And, uh, but then there's these loop-de-loos in the process. And I'm like, just get to the end. And the last time my wife and I, we went, uh, we have a place called King's Island. It's kind of like a Six Flags. And, uh, and we went there and it was date day, right? We're like, date day. My wife loves roller coasters. She loves theme parks. I was like, let's go. I'm, I'm all in. And after the first roller coaster, I get vertigo, I get sick, I'm nauseated. And I was absolutely not a stud that day. I was a dud. We had to leave early. I even tried to eat like a hot dog or two, and that just made it worse. I was like, maybe I need to eat, you know? Let's get a hot dog. Maybe some, some blue Smurf ice cream will work. I ate some ice cream, and no. No, I was like, oh, yeah, oh honey, we got to go. But anyway, that, that's life, and that's this transition. And, and I just want to tell you, I believe it's time to launch. And, and let me just show you, there's an illustration here with an arrow, and, and th these, this is an arrow. We were joking around. One time I brought a crossbow bolt, and somebody afterwards like, that wasn't an arrow, that's a bolt. I was like, I'm aware of that, all right? I'm a hunter. I know the difference, but for the sake of speaking. So anyway, I have a real arrow this time. But there's this unique thing, and I believe the arrow represents the three generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I believe we're all needed in this movement, what I call generational convergence, to be launched. And a lot of times it's that Joshua generation, that young generation that gets the credit. They're the tip of the arrow, right? But it's the, the older generations, the mature, right, the mature generation that are the guides. And without the guides, the arrow would just fall. And this, the same, same thing moving forward is, is that we have to have all three generations moving forward for this generational convergence, for this legacy to hit the mark together for the kingdom. And without any one of those generations, we're not going to lead to the next great awakening or full-blown revival. We don't want to just hit one age group. So we have to be thinking in the context of generational convergence, 100 years, right? So, so here's the deal. When, when we're pulled back, sometimes to move forward, we got to go back. Sometimes before we need to be launched, we got to be held in tension. And that is super uncomfortable. How many hate tension? 
But if you think about it in the context of an arrow and a bow, that's actually where you're being pulled closest to the Father's face. It's that tension, it's that hardship, it's that, it's that thing that you're going through where you want to give up. That's that thing that you're going through, like, is this ever going to end? Are we ever going to make it through? Are these prophetic words ever going to come to pass? Are these promises ever going to come to pass? Are these prayers that we've been petitioning for ever going to come? And all of a sudden, we're held in tension, and just at the moment we're ready to give up, the Lord says, okay, now. And you hit that target. And, and every once in a while, we might miss that target a little bit. Every once in a while, we might just fall a little shorter, just maybe into that yellow or red area, right? But then the Lord says, okay, time to go again. Whew. Now go. And if you're an archer or a hunter here, there's many times I take my girls, we hunt, and my two middle girls both got bucks last year on our property. It was amazing. So much better than me getting bucks is, is seeing my girls, like, capture this. And, like, we're high-fiving, we're hugging. I'm rubbing blood on their cheeks, like... And they're just like all in. They're like, <laughs> my wife's like, what did you do? They are princesses, but they know how to be warriors too. So as Leif says, they are lions, but they are also lambs. So anyway, it's this tension. So Zechariah 9, 14 says this. Then the Lord will appear over them. And his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. I believe there's some whirlwinds that are happening. There's some, the earth is moaning and groaning for the sons and daughters of God to manifest. There is a moaning. There is, a, there is something. There is thunderings and roarings. There is wind. There is a whirlwind that's happening that it's time for us to launch and impact society. It's time for us to launch and actually give hope to a hopeless world. To give peace to a world full of fear right now. It is time for us to launch to hit this mark. And, and let me just tell you, there is not just one target. All of the kingdom and all of the sons and daughters and every church has to hit. We all have this target that the Lord has designed for you. We all have an influence. Amen? We all have this identity, this purpose. And, and, and when, I was, when we were like six, seven years ago trying to define like who is Upper Room, why are we here? Why do we exist in Tip City, Ohio right now for this generation? Why, why are we here? What is, what is our mark? What are we doing? And, and I, the Lord clearly spoke to me, and I'm, I'm trying to build, like, what is the mission of the church, which is great. We need that. We have that. But I was trying to say, okay, are we going to be the church that feeds the hungry in this city? Are we the church that, that provides things or, or does this or does that? Or are we the church that's just worship, and, and that's our thing? We lead people into encounters to, to send them back out. And we were trying to, and then he says, people is your target. People with purpose. So, so then we, we started to say, okay, we had all these different targets, and everybody that walked in, we did this whole series on, on arrows and targets and all this stuff. And everybody that walked in, we gave them a target, because each person, now, now that's how we expand the kingdom, is that we sharpen you. It says that, that we are made here to equip the believers for the work of their ministry. That's the body, the church, that we are to equip the believers, so we are to equip you empower you, encourage you, prepare you, train you. There's a, there's a school here. Those are all parts of uh, even Sunday to equip you for the work of your ministry to go into your hospital tomorrow, to go into your school tomorrow, to go into your business that you own tomorrow. Then all of a sudden now we are all many pastors being launched with purpose and significance. And it's not just people at a podium up here on a Sunday that have significance and purpose. My dad grew up in a generation, the shepherding movement, that you were most successful if you had a microphone on a Sunday on a platform at a church. Let me just tell you, we're all many pastors. We're all people with a story for his glory. 
We're all people to make an impact and leave a legacy and have that dash count for every place that we go around us. The grocery store, the restaurant. Everywhere we go, all of a sudden, we get to make an impact and hit a target to where now it's not just this, everybody in here. Right? At our church, we have attorneys, we have doctors, we have nurses, we have realtors, we have business owners. One time, we ordained the business owners as pastors. And it's crazy. We have this one business owner who owns six or seven businesses, several hundred employees, several thousand customers. And I said, you make more of an impact in a week than I do. Why are you not a pastor? So informally, I called them all in, and we just ordained them. We blessed them. We anointed them. We're like, you were called, and your platform looks different than ours, but you were called, and you're a pastor, and, and you're going to hit a target. And now he has this kingdom business that's just incredible, and the amount of wisdom that he has and the value he adds to me. And he's like, you're the first person that's never asked for anything. You're the first pastor I know that's never asked for anything. We, and we meet for lunch once a month, and we're just like, how's, how's your marriage? What are you working on? What do you need prayer for? How can we sharpen each other to be launched? Let, let, let me move on here. Is this, uh, I love what Joseph Garlington says. He says, we're meant to go from glory to glory, but sometimes there's hell in the hallway. <laughs> we're meant to hit these targets, right? But it's that tension of being pulled back, and sometimes it feels like we're going backwards. We're not going backwards. We're just being refined to be launched forward. And sometimes there's that challenge. There's that trial. There's that time where, where you're going to that cave season, Right? And everybody in need is coming to you for their need when you're in need. But then all of a sudden, that become your mighty men. And that's who you're going to be serving with. So there's these things of where all of a sudden, then we're launched. And we hit the target. And that is a pruning process. That's a refining process. I went through a refining process, and I had to get my head out of the sand early in the year. I found myself hating people who disagreed with me. Anybody else been that way? It's been an easy season for that. I found myself getting so frustrated by the things happening in society, and, and I'm not even, even going to open that can of worms, all right, y'all? But I found myself not being pastoral, or even as a son, like, what? are you kidding me? Man, in, in January, February, I had to have a pruning in my heart, because I want to love people even when they disagree with me. I want to lead them into the kingdom and, and be an influence and lead them to hope, lead them to peace, lead them to the glory realm of Jesus. And how can I do that if I hate them because they disagree with me? That's not unity. That's conformity. Let, let me move on. Let me move real quick on. 2 Kings 13. We're going to read verse 14 through 19. And then we'll land this plane, or I heard somebody say Hel helicopter. We'll land this helicopter. All right. When Elijah was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elijah told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elijah told him, put your hand on the bow and Elijah laid his hand, own hands on, on the king's hands. Then he commanded him, open the eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elijah proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the Armenians in Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times. 
he explained. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Now there's, isn't this a funny story? Like, what are you doing, you idiot? Why'd you stop at three? Here's the thing, King Jehoash, it, it took submission, it took faith, right? It took hearing the voice of the Lord, and he's in the midst of a prophet, and he, stri- and he strikes the ground three times. He's like, whoa, 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 why didn't you do five or six? If you had done five or six, you we would have beat them five or six times. Now we're only going to be victorious three times. And I think at times we, we, we re- meet that resistance, we meet that, that financial issue, that relational issue, that job issue, that cultural issue, right? And we just stop at three. I'm telling you right now, like, the Lord is calling us to go. He's calling us to be launched. And he's not calling us to stop at, at three or four. Think about Joshua, when they were marching around Jericho, he says, the Lord says, go, march around seven days, seven times. I imagine on day two or three, I'm optimistic. I'm an optimist. And every time I go out fishing, hunting, anything cool, like, this is going to be the day I get the biggest buck ever. And I don't see anything. And I go back the next day. This is going to be the day I get the biggest buck ever. And I never go out without that expectation. And my wife, she's, a, 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 she's a being a delivered of pessimism. She's walking ahead her, her deliverance. And we constantly have this debate, right? I was like, I, she's like, I'm just realistic. I'm just realistic. I was like, no, that's negative. That's pessimism. No, she, I'm just a realist. And, uh, and I was like, listen, I'd rather be optimistic and occasionally let down than in misery and occasionally, no, she's like, well, I'd rather not be let down and occasionally surprised that something happens. So anyway, that's me. And, and so I'm sure on like day two or three, these people are like, okay, first day didn't work, maybe second day, maybe third day. And you know, you could imagine the Israelites and all who have ever questioned God, even when they're with Moses, like, man, we could go back to slavery and be comfortable and know where the meal's gonna come from, to know that we have a place to sleep, right? We get we get comfortable knowing that things are gonna be supplied, but we'd rather be in slavery and be comfortable than be challenged in faith and take risk. So so all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure like day six is like, oh here we go again, five times, six times. But on that seventh day, something happened. Listen, we want, we want to stop at, at three or four. Man, had another death. Had this. Had that. Why, why even bother? Man, it still isn't happening. It's another year where this prophetic promise didn't come. It's another month. It's another this. It's another month of, of us not getting pregnant. It's another, it's another year of not being married when I'm longing for a spouse. We, we have a, a church full of millennials. 80% of our church are millennial and younger. And these are a lot of the struggles that they're going through. And I'm just telling you, man, have faith. Um, maybe it's that seventh day. Maybe it's that seventh time. We, we, maybe it's that sixth time striking the ground. That's your victory. Maybe it's that seventh day on that seventh time around. That's, that's your Jericho. Naaman. Dip in the Jordan seven times. Second Kings. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's not the fifth. Maybe it's not the sixth. But the Lord has said things in our heart, and instead of giving up, just enjoy the tension. Just enjoy him pulling you close to his face. Just enjoy that. I'm, I do CrossFit, and there's this kind of saying that we say, embrace the suck. <laughs> it's a horrible saying, but it helps me get through There'll be, some, there'll be some workouts that get posted. I'm like, Nicole, I want to win this one. 
because I don't win many, but if it's like some heavy lifting, some deadlifts, and not any cardio whatsoever, I might have a chance. And I'm like, I think I'm going to win this one. And uh, I tell her, I was like, I'm going to go deep into that pain cave, real deep. And I just go, and I go into this another little dimension. I just embrace it. And, but let me just tell you, I come out better. I, I went through a hardship a couple years ago, and, and a lot of my world came crashing in. And what I had realized in that is I don't ever want to do that again, okay? My mom warned me before she passed away. She's like, Aaron, if you don't learn things on your own, the Lord will teach you, and his ways are sometimes a little harder. I'm like, ugh. Mom, you just old school. You don't know. God's a good God. He only does good. He will take us through journeys to refine us if we're not willing to refine ourselves. And it's not punishment. Let me just clear that up in some theology. It is not punishment. It is not consequences, not doom and gloom. It's just, man, if I'm not willing to be humble, he will put things in my life, and he will at least use that for good. Let me reword that. He'll allow things to happen at least to use that for good. Let me, let me finish this up. Piano can come. I'm getting ready to close. My closings are sometimes like three and four closings, though, so I apologize. <laughs> they make fun of me at home. Matter of fact, the young guy speaking last week, one of our uh, leaders, he's super cool. His name's Corey. He's like, I'm not going to be like Pastor Aaron and close three, four, five times. I'm going to give you one closing. Five minutes later, he's like, now in closing, after his first closing. And I'm like, you did it. You done did it. I forget where I was going. I'm just not going to lie. I could have put some fluff in there and, like, tried to circle back to it, but I'm just going to be real with you. I just totally lost where I was. Embrace the suck. Oh, yeah, my story. Let's hydrate for this one. I'm with family here, so is it okay if I'm just real? This is how I am on, on uh, Sundays at Upper Room. So anyway, uh, we, we went through this hardship. We, too, were renovating a house, and uh, way harder than I thought. We built a house. That was easy compared to renovating a house. And uh, some other things happened, some hurtful things in some relationships, just a, a bunch of stuff. And, and then we move into this house, and there uh, ends up being uh, uh, undiscovered by the uh, inspector because he was afraid to go to the attic. We had 200 bats living in our attic. A colony of bats that were there more than 52 years. Eight inches of guano on top of our insulation in our attic. Oh, by the time we're done here, folks, you might cry. You might be grossed out. You might laugh, all right? But anyway, we're going through this, and there's bats flying around. I got, four, I got five girls in our house, all right? And it is awful. We just had five bats in the last month flying around. And they're like covers. We have this plan. Every, every girl has a flashlight at their bed. I have a broom, a glove, and a flashlight at my bed. And we just go through it. We just, it's like, all right, it's on again. And it all, it's always a school night. And it's always the day we have like a lot going on the next day. We're like, we're cursing the enemy. We're like, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You will not steal our peace. You will not steal our rest. So we're still in this journey. But anyway, our finances get wrecked because it's worse than what we thought, all of this stuff. And now I'm, you know, as a provider, as a, as a man, as a leader of the home, I'm thinking, man, what did I just do to my family? My wife is killing snakes coming up through the registers. She's outside killing a snake that had a frog in its mouth. We're like, what's the prophetic meaning of that? I don't care. Just kill it. <laughs> She's texting me pictures, killing snakes. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I just went to a pretty dark place. 
started drinking alcohol for, for unhealthy reasons, just started to numb some things. Some things stirred up when I lost a baby in a fire trying to rescue a baby, and all this PTSD started stirring up, started struggling with lust again, and this was just three years ago. But what I realized, I, I got some help, got some counseling, reached out to some really close friends like Scott and some others, and just shared, told Nicole everything. And, and what I realized was going through this journey was so beautiful because I needed to, to humility. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I had become spiritually arrogant. I had become dependent on myself. I had just riz, ridden a gift of speaking and these things and just kind of coasting, right? Can anybody relate to me in that? But man, when I humbled myself, I was like, I need help. And, uh, and got some appropriate help and just started to reach out to the right people and getting some, even some professional help. And I'm like, man, I need some help. I had a fire four years ago where I lost a little baby. Where every Im imaginable obstacle was in a place to not get to this little kid that I ended up getting 10 feet towards. And then I go home. It was Mother's Day morning. And I go home and my wife is feeding our baby that's the same age. And that was hard. So I go through all this, and that stuff stirred all this other stuff up that I had never dealt with. And there's things that in this tension, in this, in this thing that almost looks like a, a breakdown or brokenness, there's things in that tension that are actually so good that are building us up that's in that tension that now, now we have the limp like Jacob. Now we have the story. Now we can relate to others. Now we have the character to withstand the shoulders to a stand. Heavy is the head, heavy is the, the head that wears the crown, right? There's these shoulders that are heavy that gets to wear the crown. But it was that journey with David through learning how to kill a, a lion and a bear to get to Goliath. Learning how to, to kill Goliath to, to steward something, right? Even his fall to immorality was to steward something and to learn from that to be able to wear the crown. We, we want to go straight from, you know, A to, to Z, but there's all these other loop-de-loos and stuff in the process. And I'm just here to encourage you today. You might be in the midst of one of those loop-de-loos. You might be in the midst of one of those hardships or, or maybe one of those frustrations where, where you don't know why the world's like this. I don't know why the world's like this, but I know how to worship. When I don't know what to do, like we sang earlier, I'll worship. When I don't know the answers, I'll worship. When I don't know what's going on around me or why there's this pandemic or, or why the, the elections or why this or that or this or who knows, vaccine or no vaccine, like, I'm going to worship. There's these things that the enemy would love for you to give up. He would love. He is on assignment for our marriages, for our lives for our peace, for our joy. Sometimes he might use a bat to do it. He might use things in our culture, our society, in the world right now. There's nothing more than he wants than division in our nation, division in our world, division in the kingdom, division in churches. We just did this thing last week with our whole county. Our county churches got together, and I got to be one of the key speakers and just, just man, glorify the Lord outside in this open-air event last week with all of our county churches, hundreds if not thousands of people at this um, theater outside, just lifting up the name of Jesus, looking past the pandemic, looking past everything else that's going on right now, and just glorifying the King of Kings. No matter what denomination you're from, no matter what background you're from, there was people walking dogs in the street that were stopping and just beginning to worship with us. 
Because when Jesus is lifted up, it draws people in. When we don't know what to do, we worship. Let me read this one last scripture and then tell a story. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not seen. Listen, I, I don't want the things that are being seen in our culture. Let me just be honest with you. But there is a kingdom of God that's advancing. And there is a kingdom of God that is good. And there is a kingdom family that is beautiful, that's a bride without blemish. I want my dash to count. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a man of hope. I want to be a man of joy. When our guys are going on some rough stuff at the fire station, I want to be that, that pillar, that, that foundation of peace that's actually built on Christ, even if they don't realize that yet or not. I'm the first guy they go to when they get in trouble or have issues or have marital problems. I want to be that guy because it's word and deed. They know what I stand for, but I live it. My character backs that up. My integrity backs it up. I, I love to have a good time. I love to joke around. But if it gets nasty, I just slowly disappear. Jesus came to save the world, not condemn it. It's in that tension. We want to, you know, we want to fight. We want to go. We, we either want to stop or we want to be warriors. I, I, David was a warrior, but if you look at his son Solomon, he was diplomatic. And there is a season to be a warrior, and there's a season to be diplomatic. There's a season to be covert. There's a season to be overt. There's a season that, that we, we go to war, and we stand up for righteousness, and I am not opposed to that. Then there's a season that we be still and know that he's God and let him take care of it. We got to know when to be pulling back and knowing when to being launched. There's that season, and there's those ebbs and flows, and it might be where you're at, what day it is, who's around. We have this influence, right? But let me just, let me remove some pressure, though. You can't mess this up. You can't mess it up. God's grace is too big. God's grace is sufficient for all needs. It's, it's really good. You cannot mess this up. We get nervous. We're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You can't mess it up. You lose your cool one day, go back the next day. You, you fall short, you miss the mark a little bit on that target one day, you just, all right, it's time to be pulled back again. All right, Lord, let's go this time. Let me end with this story. There's a story in the, in the New Testament, and it's actually John 8, and I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time, and because I already said I was closing once. There's this woman caught in adultery. How does this tie into legacy? <laughs> it will. There's this woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees, the, the leaders of the time, the religious leaders, they bring her to Jesus, and they almost want to trick Jesus. And they're like, this woman, she was caught in the act of adultery. Where was the dude? Just saying. She was caught in adultery, and he says, Moses' law say we should stone her. And, and just a long story short, Jesus says, okay, he who's without sin cast the first stone. He who's without blemish start throwing rocks. And then they slowly disappear. And one by one they leave, right? And all of a sudden this, this, this amazing thing happens. He gets down and he starts to write something in the sand or the dirt. And this is a beautiful story. And, and if 
the depth of this story to me just captured my heart. This woman got caught in sin, and now she's probably walking in shame. You know, sin may take you somewhere, but it's shame that oftentimes keeps us there. So her eyes are probably down just in shame, right? I believe we want to figure out what did he write. It doesn't say what he wrote. We want, he probably wrote this, and there's all of these theories and, 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 and things and these scholars that say, well, he probably wrote this. I believe it was more importantly what he wrote than what the position he was doing and what symbolically that was. I believe he was down catching her eye, and I believe he was riding in her dirt. I believe he was getting in her mess. Jesus is not afraid to dig in your dirt. He was not afraid 15 years ago as an atheist to dig in my, my mess. He wasn't afraid to catch my eyes and get to my level and come into my mess and dig in my dirt and remove my sin and remove my shame. We think, well, I, I, no, like be vulnerable, be real. He is not afraid of what's going on in society right now. Parents, don't be afraid to raise your children in this moment right now because God has called us for such a time as this. And let me just tell you, your kids are being positioned and they're being held in tension to be launched to reach their target and their generation. Well, society's falling apart. Things are happening. Things are, oh, it's terrible. It's, everything's horrible. More reason Jesus is needed. The better season for awakening. The better season for revival. If you study revival history, it was a lot of times during tragedy and hardship and issues, right? We are ripe and ready for the harvest. But parents, don't be afraid. God has called your children for such a time as this, in this mess, in this moment of history for their generation. He's got them. No matter if they're afar right now, no matter if they're young right now, don't be afraid. The Lord has them. But Jesus, with this woman caught in adultery, he just digs in her dirt. And I believe it was to catch her eyes. And then he goes, hey, who's left? She's like, no one. When he's digging in our mess and when he's getting ready to send us and launch us, the only one that matters is still standing with us, Jesus. No one else matters. I'm known as a number and a system back in Ohio from, from my juvenile days. But I'm not any longer a number. I'm a son of Jesus. I'm a child of God. Let me just remind you, you're no longer an addict. You're a son or a daughter. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. We want to say, you know, the woman with the issue of blood. We still call her the woman with the issue of blood. She was healed. We don't call her healed woman with no longer issue of blood. We call her the woman with the issue of blood. Blind Bartimaeus. He was healed. We call him Blind Bartimaeus. If you remember the woman with the issue of blood, she, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. He calls us by our identity. He, he doesn't call us by our mess just here to say encourage you don't give up there is a different perspective going on I don't I, there is a world's narrative there is a media's narrative there is all these narratives right but there is God's narrative there is God's narrative in all of this the end of that story he says now go sin no more all right you've been held in tension I've dug in your mess I've dealt with your issues I've caught your eyes I've encountered you. You no longer have sin or shame. Go. And don't ever look back. There's a reason that our windshield is way bigger than our rearview mirror. I like what Lave says. He says, the Lord is more concerned with your destiny than your history. 
I don't want to forget about that. There's just a little reminder. That's the old man. He needs to stay dead. And every once in a while, he creeps up, and I got to remind him he's dead. That anger man, that lust man, he's dead. He needs to stay dead, right? But man, what lies ahead? Don't give up. Don't lose heart. There is purpose in this. James 1, 2, count all joy the trials we go through because it means something. Don't stop at six. Don't stop at three. Don't stop at four. Maybe it's that seventh time around. Maybe it's that sixth time hitting the ground. It's ready to be launched. Why don't you stand with me? You were born for this. It's time to launch. Everybody say, it's time to launch. It's time to go. It's time for legacy. It's time for the kingdom to advance. You are the right person for the job. You were called for such a time as this. You were put in your workplace. You were put in your family. You were put at that restaurant today. You were put at that grocery store this week. Or unless you're like my wife, you're ordering it and you were put at that house for that person to deliver those groceries this week. And increase that tip, right? You were born for such a time as this. You were called. And it might look like it's time to, to quit. It might look like it's time to give up. But that is just the moment you feel like you're going to break down. The moment you feel like you're just totally broken, can't do anymore. That's where the Lord wants you just to release you to your breakthrough. Why don't you put your hand on the person around you? We're going to make some declarations of pray. Lord, I thank you for this son or daughter. Thank you for this child of God say you were born for such a time as this you were born to be sharpened you were born to be launched you were born to impact the kingdom you were born for the earth and to impact the earth and those around you put your hand on your heart Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this group of people, for this time in history right now, this moment, that will never be the same. We will never be in this room with this group of people ever again in this same makeup. So Lord, I thank you for this moment in history. I thank you for your calling. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your identity. Lord, I thank you that, that you have redeemed us, that you have set us free, that you have cleansed us that there is power in your name, there is power in your blood, and there is power from the cross, and there is power in your resurrection. Jesus, we thank you that you dig in our mess, that you forgive us of sin, that you, that you cleanse us of all issues and mistakes, Lord. We thank you that you catch our eye and you remove shame. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you tell us to go and make a mark, and leave a mark. Lord, we bless you, Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.